Why do people give up their hobbies? Should you ever go back? And is trying to recapture the past simply a big mistake? If you say Shay Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers. Welcome back for another Saturday episode. Uh, today, I want to think about the phenomenon of giving up hobbies and, and basically have a think about the value of reclaiming them years later. And as I think I've said before, my biggest bugbear, basically with the hobby, is seeing people give up playing tabletop role-playing games and never quite returning to the table. The question is, is there anything we can do to help? This is Season 5, Episode 5, Never Going Back. Hey Trey, Jason here. Hope everything's going okay. Looking forward to our game this weekend. Check out Tim Schwartz's new episode, Gothridge Manor. He name drops you a lot. He talks about GURPS in that episode. So, thought you might enjoy it. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Jason, for calling in. Great to hear from you. And I'll be honest, yes, I had heard Tim's episode even before you call in. But it's great of you to call in and point it out to me and allow me to point it out to the rest of the listeners because Tim Short's some Gothridge Manor podcast is one of those anchor absolute legends. And um, he's been kind of quiet recently, but this particular episode, he goes and talks about GURPS. If you're into GURPS, and I know we've managed to tempt a few of the GURPS community folk over here, um, if you're into that stuff, he has a particularly interesting insight. He is not a fan of the fourth edition uh, for reasons that I won't go into here, but he is a massive fan of back in the day, first, second, third. And I think it's really interesting to listen to. Um, so, Jason, thank you for calling in and letting us know and letting me know about that. And, um, yeah, thanks for, you know, thinking of us, really. I, I really, really do appreciate all of the call-ins and... You're my only one this week, and it meant a lot to me. Thanks, man. Game on. When I was a Games Workshop store manager way back in the mid-1990s, I used to see a phenomenon that troubled me deeply at the time. People would come into the store and asked if we knew where they could sell off their old, no longer wanted Games Workshop tabletop miniatures, you know, for wargaming. This was, of course, long before eBay became well-known here in the UK. And yes, I know it all started around 95 and became eBay in 97, but I don't think eBay really entered the public consciousness of the UK until probably the turn of the century. But anyway, I digress. People, usually gamers, but sometimes their partners, would come into the store and inquire about selling their stuff. I'd always ask them why. The usual answers from gamers were things like, oh, I just haven't played in a while and it's just cluttering up the house. 
On further probing, you'd get to the truth. All of these, by the way, are things people actually said. Oh, I just got married and I need to clear out my old toys. Well, Warhammer's a bit childish, isn't it? Time to grow up. Yeah, I have to be responsible and playing this stuff is a distraction. The funnier conversations were with partners or family members of gamers. Most of my colleagues were far too polite to ask, but I'm a bolshie sod at times, so do you mind if I ask why you're selling these games and miniatures? Oh yeah, sure, they belong to my son and he's grown up now, so we're clearing out the old toys. Well, they belong to my husband, but he's done with all this kiddie stuff now. Um, sure, we have a baby now. He doesn't have the time to play games anymore. To be honest, the standard advice we'd give to any gamer was kind of simple. Don't do it. Don't sell it off. You'll come back to it. Trust me. Some people would consider that and smile condescendingly at the young fool in front of them. Don't be silly, I'm done with all that kind of stuff now. It's kid stuff. I'm an adult. Watch me adulting. They exuded an air of superiority. And to be honest, I think most customers exude an air of superiority over retail staff, but that probably was to be expected. And I don't know. I guess you get the idea. When I was a Games Workshop store manager way back in the mid-1990s, I used to see another phenomenon that amused me greatly at the time. Every now and then... An older chap, usually a chap, would come into the store and ask if I knew anyone who was selling off their second-hand Warhammer or 40k stuff. This person would explain that they used to play back in the day, but now they were trying to get back into their old hobby. To be honest, I got pretty good at two things. Firstly, we'd usually sell them a nice starter set of paints, a box game, some brushes and some glue, and then we'd point them at the same places we'd point to the sellers. And secondly, I'd ask them about why they were getting back into the hobby. And the answers, frankly, were illuminating. Oh, I played back in the day, but my wife made me get rid of my stuff. Almost killed me doing it. Anyway, we're divorced now, so I'm I'm up for getting back to playing. Um, well, when we had kids, I had to clear the hobby stuff out. It was tough, but I was stupid enough to think I was all grown up and, and done with it. Well, I used to think that my career was more important than my hobby, but now I have more cash. I I keep itching to play again. I'm not making this up. This is serious. These phenomena occurred within all my GW stores, and I worked in three. I don't have a problem with people giving up on gaming. Wargaming, board gaming, and role-playing they're all time-consuming and expensive hobbies. Games Workshop, and I imagine most other wargame miniatures companies such as Warlord or Mantic, operate, as far as I can tell, on a subscription model. In other words, they get you to buy into a game so they can sell you a long tail of miniatures, paints, glue, terrain, and other stuff over a long period of time. In their heads, there are two major markets. Young teenage adults and mid-career adults. The former group are bankrolled by mum and dad, and the latter are established in their careers and can afford the premium prices charged. The key is to keep you subscribing for as long as possible. 
When I worked for GW, I used to feel like I was being manipulative when I told people not to give up the hobby. I used to advise sticking it all in the loft or in storage and considering sharing it with the kids when they got old enough. Sure, that's 12 years or so from now, but this stuff just never gets cheaper, right? Even if a person just parks their hobby for a few years, at least there's a chance they'll find the stuff and revisit it down the line. That's how we'd get those teens to become gamers again much later on life. I didn't realise that I was actually doing them a genuine favour. Looking back on it with the eyes of 25 years in work, I do feel that this was good advice. No mere sales manipulation after all. But like I said, I don't have a problem with people giving up on gaming. What upsets me is watching people buy into the big lies that we tell people who hit their 20s. Yeah, you're an adult now, so you need to grow up and get rid of your toys. Play is for kids, and you don't have time for fun anymore. I am absolutely sure that being married or finding a commitment with a partner, I'm sure that leads to change. I experienced it myself. And I'm happy to believe that it's the same for anyone who has kids. Don't think that I don't understand that. For me, the 20s were a time of being desperately poor and scrabbling around for enough money to buy food. I've lived in rented apartments and houses all of my adult life. And perhaps one of the reasons why I am poor in the eyes of other people is because I kept subscribing to my hobbies. I don't know. Having said this, I feel that there is likely someone sitting there listening who feels that I am judging their choices and I'm not. Maybe they even stop listening in anger and so this is pointless, but if you are angry and still listening, I'm not into judging. And I'm certainly not judging you. Carl Jung, the psychologist, said that thinking is hard. That's why most people judge. I like to try thinking about this stuff is all. And what I'm trying to express is the situation as I see it. We all make our choices. I've made plenty of choices that, looking back, appear to have been less than wise. But my choices have shaped me. And your choices have shaped you too. I want you to know that whatever choices you made, you are accepted here. I'm not sitting here in judgment. Okay? Honest. I do meet people who have deep regrets about selling off their stuff. I've done it myself. Sold some miniatures and RPGs and then sometime later I've just re-bought them. And I've got wiser to that, learning to recognise the stuff that I like to have on hand. But I've made this error too. So I'm a hypocrite, right? Yes, giving up hobbies is something people do. And they have perfectly reasonable motives for doing so. But what bugs me is that sometimes they end up regretting it. Kids grow up and leave home. Partners leave career's end and some people regret the things they sacrificed along the way should you go back to your old hobbies some say not they say we're better leaving the past alone i disagree when it comes to creative hobbies, and by the way, I hate that term, hobby. Hobby has just been coated with a veneer of childishness and frivolous expense, as if child's play is bad and spending money on fun is to be deplored. But uh, 
Anyway, when it comes to creative pursuits like wargaming and role-playing games, I believe they are of positive benefit for our mental health. Firstly, we play games to create community. Given that this is why I do almost anything that I love, it's no surprise that role-playing games appeal to me. Secondly, role-playing games in particular allow us to role-shift in a safe environment. In other words, we take on the role of a character. And this isn't terribly new, by the way, because we all play different roles in our daily lives, naturally shifting from one to the other. You know, on a weekend, I'm a husband and a son and a friend, much more than I'm a teacher. I shift into each role as need arises, as the situation changes. What makes the role-playing game different is that it forms a different permutation of the traditional role-shifting involved in artistic expression. In the past, that was parts being played by artists or performers. But now, at the role-playing game table, we just get to do it with our friends in a less formal manner. We do this role-shifting together in a communal setting, around my gaming table or online, in a shared and safe space. And we do it through the ritual enactment of the game. From this activity, we, as players, get to construct a narrative, what some people call a story, and we do it in a collaborative format. This, in turn, allows us to use and call upon the deep archetypal images that are drawn from the well of myths and epics and fairy tales, stuff we're all familiar with. Doing this together draws us together as people. We learn to accept one another through experimenting with the various roles we each can assume. We subconsciously let go of the idea that identity is fixed and we learn to embrace difference at the gaming table. This whole process is, by the way, a lot of fun. It's a great release from the reality that envelopes our everyday life and it opens up possibilities for new ways to experience life. I am reminded of the words of Terry Pratchett, the author of the Discworld novels. Quote, Stories of imagination tend to upset those without one. End quote. The people who feel threatened by your creative pursuits are those who stand to lose from you playing games. Time and money are the obvious costs of such pursuits, but I think it's deeper than that. Are people who don't play threatened because they worry that your enjoyment from this creative pursuit is somehow a judgment of them? Do people around you want to mould you into the vision they have for your behaviour? Do they not accept you for who you are? Is there no space for frivolity in your social circles? I don't know. I mean, am I preaching to the choir? Probably. But if we're going to insist that people give their old hobbies room to breathe and bloom, the only question left is how. How can we get back into the hobby? Yeah, interesting yeah, process. My, you know, this this show is really about kind of inviting people back to the hobby. Have you got any tips mm. for you know a person who's coming back to the role playing hobby? So, like someone who used to play mm. some years ago and kind of getting back into it. Um, I think one one really important thing that makes it easier to get back into it is choose a rule set that you're familiar mm -hmm. with. So like, you know, 
for myself i had like i don't know maybe a decade away from gaming and when i when i got back into it the first thing i played was ad&d second edition mm. which is what i played as a teenager um super easy to get back into it because from years of playing it as a kid i had this kind of latent memory of everything yeah. Then after a while, I moved on to different rule systems. Like I tried Pathfinder briefly and um, things like True 20, Savage Worlds. Mm. Um, eventually, I realized that I was kind of a bit against the grain of my sort of mental muscle memory that um, if such a thing exists, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, you know. And then I gravitated back to BX because it just has this familiarity that for me is just makes it super easy to play mm. um so i think that, i think that's one important thing just dive back into what you remember liking from when you used to play as a kid or whatever um thank you i appreciate we're up to an hour i uh just wondered do you have any sort of final tips for a person coming back to the hobby um i think um i think there's a there's so much more accessible now than back in the day and that, you know, even if, you know, you decide you want to get back into the hobby and, you know, you, you don't know any players nearby, the fact you can go online and you can actually find a group online or, you know, build a group online and play through, mm. you know, Skype or Hangouts or Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds or whatever it may be, um, is brilliant. You know, you could be playing a game, you know, that you never thought possible. You know, with, you've got a player in America, you've got a player from England, you've got a player from Italy player from Norway and you're having a fantastic experience because you, 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 you know, you're making new friends. Um, so I think online gaming is fantastic uh, and, and a really accessible way to start. Um, if, if you do have a games cafe or a, uh, a shop near you, then you know, obviously, you know, go there and, you know, find fellow, you know, like-minded people and get involved. Um, there's all, you know, there's 101 gaming forums out there that if you just want to try try something and just say, I want to play in a game. You know, I just want to dip my toes back in the water. Then, um, you know, there's, there's always people saying, yeah, well, come and join my game or what, you know, we will put a game together for you. You know, let's give it a shot one night, you know? So I guess it's, don't be afraid, you know, that it's a very welcoming community, the gaming community these Mm. days. And um, it's open to everyone. And uh, there are groups and people who are willing to help you out and get you started and give you some advice and so on. So, you know, mm. just don't be afraid and go for it, really. So what tips do you have for someone who's sort of maybe thinking about coming back to the role-playing hobby? Do it. You got any tips? Just do it. Do it. That that My first tip is put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and <laughs> go do it. Um, if you can't find people in your area... Uh, RPG Table Finder is a website where you can go and find games. You can play mm-hmm. online. There are loads of people who play online. It, it is absolutely possible these days. You don't need a fancy webcam. You don't need a fancy microphone. Just jump in, get started, find a way. Um, and again, like I hate to plug my own product, but um, World Anvil has just released a campaign manager that makes it really, really, really to organize, easy to organize your stuff. Uh, to organize your character sheet for uh, game masters to organize their games so it actually speeds up a lot of the do you remember i was saying that like my problem is always i don't have time it speeds all of that stuff up so go make a character go find a game not necessarily in that order and just jump in be brave and you will be happy you will be glad that you did it
Gavin Norman of Necrotic Name, Mike Mason from The Chaosium, and Janet Forbes from World Anvil there. All advice from previous interviews in Series 1, 2, and 3. If you're new to Roleplay Rescue, every interviewee gets asked this question. And so there are a bunch of these gems in the back catalogue. But if you're asking me, when you want to come back to wargaming, board gaming, or role-playing games, then my advice is to start with a beginner's mind. While it's fine to go and dig out the games you used to play, assuming you still have them, the fact is that gaming is a moving target. It's constantly changing and evolving. New products, new ideas, different expressions of old ideas. It's a whirling maelstrom of change, and then again, it actually isn't. As far as role-playing games are concerned, you can probably dust off your old D&D books and get a game today more easily than you could have done back when it was printed. Through the magic of online gaming, as Mike mentioned, it's possible to find players from across the globe to connect and to get a game. But come with a beginner's mind. Actually, now I think about it, we could all do worse than approaching our gaming with a beginner's mind. What do I mean? Try and find out what's current. Find out what people are playing. If you're listening to this in 2019, that's probably Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. You can get the basic rules of D&D for free from Wizards of the Coast website, and I'll stick a link in the show notes. But more than that, find out what's still in your life. Did you save something from your earlier gaming life? If so, go dig it out. Allow nostalgia in. I mean, it's a freebie. An easy starting place. And you have no doubt forgotten how to play, but you remember how it felt. And that's a great starting point. A place of smiles and joy. Start there. But start. Don't fall into the trap of buying every game that's out there. To be honest, it's officially impossible to read every RPG ever printed. The rise of self-publishing and easy access via the internet, that means that any old Tom, Dick or Harry can sit down and knock out a role-playing product. And I'm not trying to be dismissive when I say that. And the same, it actually goes for podcasters. Yes, I am smiling at the microphone over that one. Look, start. Give yourself permission. Begin. Right then. I need a favour. This podcast is aimed squarely at the ex-gamer who wants to find a route back to the gaming table. And I need you to help me get it to the right ears. If you are an ex-gamer trying to find a way back, I really hope that I can help you to see the possibilities. But here's the thing. Can any of you help recommend Roleplay Rescue to your friends? I don't really know what that might look like, to be honest. But if you know someone who's a lost gamer... Perhaps you could ask them if they've heard of the show. I mean, basically, it's like this. We need to get the show to the ears of the Lost X gamers. And I know many of my listeners are committed gamers. And some of you are podcasters in your own right. So would it be okay to shoot someone a link to your favourite episode of Roleplay Rescue? I guess I'm asking for you guys to help me widen the reach. I need your help to call people back to the gaming table. And wouldn't that mean more players for everyone to enjoy gaming with? I hope you don't mind me asking, but thanks for your support. And that's about it for the episode. I hope it's been of some value to you. Thank you to today's caller, Jason Connolly. And I really do appreciate 
anyone who takes the time to click the Anchor message link in the show notes or grab the Anchor app and press the message button or just record something on your phone and email it to me to steal Frank T's line, your ideas make my ideas better. As ever, thanks are due to the loyal Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. I feel like we should perhaps do another listing of the names soon, but you'll have to let me know if you like that or not. In the meantime, thanks to everyone, all 25 of you. Hugely appreciated. And thanks to the man behind the Roleplay Rescue theme, TJ Drennan. Thank you. Finally, thanks go to you, the listener, for taking half an hour or so out of your day to listen to the show. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on.